0: Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Renier. Renier, how are you?
1: I am good. New year, new me. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. I think I'm, I missed you guys on the last one.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yes, Happy New Year. We are joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how's it going?
2: How's it? It's going well. Happy New Year, everyone! Excellent.
0: And rounding out the group, Perferio Rangel, Perferio, how it goes?
3: It's going good, Henry. Happy to be here with all you guys. Happy New Year!
0: Excellent. All right, let's dive right in. Today's topic is Hawkeye. So we're a little bit late to the game here. This show is actually done and done for about a month or so so we've had some time to process a bit and we can get our collective thoughts on the most recent marvel studios disney plus tv show Uh, real quick the comic sauce podcast is on social media catch us at comic sauce pod on twitter and instagram Today is January 21st, 2022, and indeed, we're going to talk some Hawkeye. So Hawkeye wrapped up a really big year for Marvel Studios. There was the most MCU content in a calendar year of all time in 2021, right? And this wrapped it up. Uh, So... I'm kind of curious with all of you all about uh, expectations. What were your expectations going in? Um, We had seen a lot of MCU content on TV, at the movies, you know, different formats. Um, We got a lot. So what were we feeling here? Were we kind of... uh, marvel fatigued out were we ready for more uh yeah what was uh what was the the, the feel going in here uh how about uh christian what do you think uh I'll start all with you. right
2: um so going in let's let's see into hawkeye yeah i think like this one was kind of being overshadowed as far as like mcu content by spider-man no way home um i think i was uh, i was feeling a bit you know fatigued out i think at this at that point um which did kind of i get i think play into how i felt about the show um but i did enjoy the trailer i will say that um it, it was fun it was Christmassy, and like it had you know um everyone's favorite avenger yeah uh-huh.
0: I sense a little sarcasm there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're
2: talking about.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there are some people in this world who love Hawkeye and he is actually their favorite Avenger. But yeah, I know what you mean. Tends to be a little less uh, favored than others. All right. How about uh, Rainier? What were your expectations going in on this one?
1: My expectations were... I think the same Marvel expectations that I normally have. <laughs> uh, they set the bar, you know, fairly high for anything that's MCU related and the audience has an expectation of that. Um, and yeah, I think they, it's, it's different than I think it's, it's it's got some level of differentiation compared to some of the other um you know, Disney Plus uh, MCU series. Uh, I particularly enjoyed it, actually. Um, uh, Unlike Christian, sorry, I I wasn't fatigued uh, by by this one. Um, I I actually kind of put it at the top of my list, actually, uh, of all the stuff that was on Disney Plus. Uh, I can get into that more later. But, yeah, Um, my expectation was (laughs) the standard MCU expectation, and it was there for this for me.
0: Nice. How about you, Preferio?
3: Yeah, I think I, you know, to be honest, I think I had Hawkeye like pretty much under my radar. I wasn't looking forward to it or anything, but I was just like, "It's it's right there. I'll, I'll watch it because obviously it's Marvel." And yeah, I don't, I don't think I would use the word fatigue, but just um something I wasn't excited for and the trailer didn't help it was very like fun and just felt like yeah just watch another marvel piece but um i think because i had like no expectation for it i had a really really great time with it and it definitely surprised me it was probably one of my favorite shows of the year
0: oh wow excellent yeah that is interesting You know, we talk about expectation a lot, but that can factor in quite a bit on how things actually turn out. Because when you don't expect a lot, you can be really pleasantly surprised. Um, So for me, I think I was looking forward to this one. And I think we keep bringing up the trailer, but yeah, I was kind of hyped on the trailer. Like if I hadn't seen that trailer, I probably wouldn't have been that excited. But after I saw the trailer, I'm like, well, this looks pretty good. And I was really looking forward to it. The trailer made it seem like it was a really light, heartwarming show for the holiday season. And, um, that's kind of exactly what we got. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, to, To echo the positivity about the show going around the room here. Yeah, I I, I had a really nice, warm and fuzzy feeling after watching this season. Uh, So let's get right to it. Let's talk about the show itself. Uh, Six episodes. We've all watched them all. And uh, now that it's uh, over and done with, what do we think? What did we like about Hawkeye? Sounds like um, a number of us liked it. Quite a bit. Uh, how about specifics? What uh, in particular did we like? What do you guys think?
2: I'll go. Uh, I'll go first. So, um, so I think one thing I did really like about Hawkeye. Um, even though i made a sarcastic comment about like the favorite avenger i thought they gave uh clint barton uh, like a pretty good arc and a pretty good story i like where he starts out at the beginning how he's seeing the wonderful play uh but you know about captain america in the first avengers movie and he has like a hearing aid from all the explosions like you see him in like a, a battle damage state an older more broken man and like, I think he is a good arc to, um, like him, like kind of training his protege, uh, Kate Bishop, played by Haley Steinfeld, um, to, like, kind of the end where he gets more and more involved in the plot, and you kind of see, kind of a like a much, like a much brighter side of Hawkeye kind of come out a little more and more throughout the series. Um and then I really liked I guess uh I guess we'll get into spoilers already. This, this, so I'm just okay. gonna throw out that warning. Spoiler now. alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler um you. I thought the ending that he had uh with Yelena where they were talking about uh the death of Black Widow it was like a really wonderful scene, and I think uh I really liked every kind of scene that he was specifically in.
0: Yeah, cool.
2: Um, You know, Jeremy
0: Renner is the main character of the show. And um, yeah, like a a lot kind of weighed on him. And I thought he was great. You know, I thought uh, he was excellent on the show. Uh, He's very likable, like the, the, the main driving force of the show, you know, isn't saving the world. It, it isn't even like, you know, uh, training Kate Bishop or, you know, fighting the tracksuit mafia. It's, it's simply Clinton Barton trying to get home for Christmas, right? <laughs> and uh, that's so great. You know, it's, it's such a relatable kind of thing, right? He's a superhero, but he's doing the ultimate, like, every man thing. He's just trying to get home, right? So uh, I, I love that. And uh, yeah, I, I had that as a positive too. Clint Barton, like the character of Clint Barton played well again by Jeremy Renner. And um, um, it's kind of cool, you know, like with uh, Hawkeye, you know, you don't get to see him a whole lot in the movies. He, he has to share screen time with a lot of other more popular heroes. Uh, but here, you know, he finally gets... To have some screen time and uh yeah it's 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 worthwhile for sure
3: for me i think one of the biggest positive which christian brought up was yelena like every scene she was in i was laughing just like black widow i think like for me she was like the star of the show again like they just think she just give her her own movie or tv show or her own project like I would watch it over and over again like from the moment she was first introduced again um fighting Hawkeye to like the awkward macaroni confrontation with Kate Bishop um I just loved everything that she had and delivered um yeah to me she was like the biggest standout for why I enjoyed the show
0: Yeah, I'd totally be on board with a Yelena show or movie. Definitely. Uh, What about you, Renier? Any uh, particular highlights for you?
1: Yeah, you know, going back to what you said, Henry, about like the simplicity of like, this is just a guy that's trying to get back home to his family for Christmas, I think speaks to what I was thinking about the show is that it's very, it's got like this ground level charm to it. Like it's not, Incredibly splashy. I mean, I don't think we see any superpowers in this in this show. Like, um, you know, it's 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 all about like the human element, and I think that's what was really capturing of the show. Like, and then the you know you know the relationship that that builds between like um, between Kate Bishop and Clint Barton, I yeah. think is is really cool to see flourish and open up. Um, but what's also interesting too is we're also seeing New York like post incident post thanos and you're seeing the effects of how it how how it is on people especially clint like with the hearing aid he's wearing like he's just a guy you know and like yeah being caught up in all these explosions amidst all the other avengers like it's gonna take its toll and portraying that he has that level of like ptsd watching like rogers the musical it brings a really like human element to it. I think it kind of brings like the whole Avengers thing, like back down to earth so that we can relate to it a bit more. Um, It's interesting how it's become like very self-aware. Like, you know, he sees people in costume, like wearing like an Iron Man costume or a Captain America costume. And even like the Rogers the musical thing (laughs) is very interesting. It's just like the show has become very self-aware um but yeah it's it's got a lot of great elements and the thing that christian touched upon that i really enjoyed too was his closure that he was able to provide for himself speaking to yelena about black widow um it's interesting seeing him like revisit that and really express what he you know like what he felt like we certainly saw it in endgame or sorry uh in uh, uh infinity war um But to have him like elaborate more on that, like I think it helped provide closure to what he was actually experiencing. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah. Good takes. And um, yeah, that's always been part of the Clinton Barton character. He's always felt like he's not really, uh, he's, he's, he's out of his league in a lot of ways, right? I think there's a line in the first Avengers movie where he and, Natasha are like we're dealing with gods and monsters here like what can we do and now she's gone right so he probably feels like oh my, I'm just like out of my depth here he, he reiterates
1: that in Age of Ultron where he's like I'm just a guy bow and arrows you know he, he was, right. I think he was saying that to Wanda I think yeah. and it's like I, I feel like that connects to the audience really closely because like if we were there what the heck would we do
0: yeah yeah so yeah, good point. And they, they kind of continued that feel into this show where he's maybe got a little imposter syndrome or something where he just doesn't quite feel like he belongs with that group and he's just more of a regular type guy. I do love
1: too the like the action sequences are great. I mean there's there's so many cool things you could do with a bow and arrow and I think they were able to capture that in this series. Like we don't see a ton of that like where he is in the other movies uh I mean, trick arrows i mean come on like it was all in there it was great yeah the yeah, yeah.
2: Arrows. yeah yeah the,
0: the action scenes are really cool in this show there's one in particular i really loved it's the car chase oh that's that's yeah. a great yeah. scene. and they're trying out all these different trick arrows it's, it's one it's, continuous shot too yeah it's so cool it's so cool and um you know you get to see Clint and Kate kind of working together and there's a lot of comedy in the scene and it's just visually really impressive. So yeah, that one really stood out, but yeah, overall the action is, is great. Speaking of
1: which that one continuous scene, I feel like that was like, I feel like that was a foreshadow call to um, having Wilson Fisk pop out. Uh, Because if you, if, if you remember in daredevil, they did a lot of those action sequences where they were like all one continuous shot. And it just seemed so appropriate that like Wilson Fisk shows up at the end, you know?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's something to that. <laughs> and
1: we get Wilson Fisk. Like he's yeah. tied into this, in, into this. So it's, yeah, it's, it was a great show. I really liked it. Um, as Perferio was saying, like it's, it's at the top of the list for me um, for the Disney plus series.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed it too, but here's a little uh, devil's advocate. So I enjoyed the show a lot. I enjoyed it, the the groundedness of it. And I enjoyed the action scenes. But um, here's the thing, though. Like, in a show that does take, you know, a more realistic approach to the characters, like, there are no superpowers. There's a lot of relatability going on. How How do you wedge in heroes with bows and arrows, right? Like... In reality, a bow and arrow is never going to be superior to a gun, right? So I think there has to be a leap of faith here where you kind of have to be just like, okay, just go with it. You kind of have to believe that they're so great with bows and arrows that they can defeat criminals with with guns, right? I don't know. It just seems to be a little bit counter to this relatability aspect, right? Any thoughts there? Like, did you guys have problems with with uh, uh, bow and arrow heroes beating <laughs> dudes with guns? It doesn't matter what you have. It's how you use it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nice one.
0: <laughs> I like that.
3: <laughs> no, no, no,
1: yeah. To speak no, to that point, ahead. though, I think the one thing that stuck out in the show was, like, there were scenes where, like, Kate Bishop's, like, walking down the streets of New York with, like, a straight-up, like you know, bow and arrow and, and quiver and all that stuff. And it's just like that, that wouldn't catch anyone's eye. Like, <laughs> although I think they do speak to that where they show like the groups of LARPers that kind of run around all all over
0: New York City. But yeah, it, that struck me as a little odd, but that's it. <laughs> uh, Perferio, did you have something there?
3: Yeah, I was just going to agree with what you guys said. Like, yeah, like there's Kate Bishop who just yeah walks around with her bow and arrow, like I think like to the store or something. And it's just like, okay, this is totally normal um but then like yeah like it, it's just so funny that you bring up but like they Hawkeye and Kate Bishop just like bring up a bow and arrow to like a gunfight like there was a whole scene in um I think the last episode when they're like in the middle of the ice skating rink and they're like shooting yeah. the bad guys all around them and just like legit like if anybody had like a gun, like any of the bad guys had a gun, they could have just shot them from like afar. <laughs> and there's yep. the end of the show. Like <laughs> but but yep. no they had to go and try to tackle them or something and it's just it's just ridiculous and fun. But I think that plays into the spirit of Hawkeye where it's just like like Yeah, like Rick Rainier said about, like, you know, how he's like, I just have a bow and arrow, and this this doesn't make sense, but let's just go with it and have fun with it.
0: Yeah, you bring up that season finale, episode six, and that's where I think they went a little too far, because up to that point, like, I, I could handle it, like, the way they used the bows and arrows, like, I was like, okay, that's, it didn't get so ridiculous that, you know, it was, it just didn't seem right until that last episode there was that big battle at the Christmas tree. And, um, you know, it was fun, but it it was just really silly (laughs) and it really took it too far. I think, um, like we've been saying, there's this whole holiday feel with the show. And I think it, it gives us some buffer. It, it allows us to accept some exaggeration, um, but, yeah, sometimes I think they maybe push push the envelope a little bit too much.
1: No, man, I think you guys are underestimating how well a proficient person with a bow and arrow <laughs> could really be. Because, <laughs> I mean, someone that's, like, not very good with a gun compared to someone that's, like, very proficient with a bow and arrow. I mean, <laughs> and it's not just, like, an open shot, right? Like, they created the environment, right? Didn't they, yeah. like... Um, didn't they, like, provide mist or smoke or something like that to provide cover?
0: You know, it could happen. You <laughs> uh, still do not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Uh, well, uh, look, it, well, look. Well, look at the characters, too. Like, um, from what we know of Clint Barton, this guy has extraordinary hand-eye coordination, right? He's talked to Tony Stark about how he always shoots holes in ones when he plays golf right he never misses um and you know what we've seen him we've seen his work right on the battlefield like he's he he doesn't miss so maybe you can like sort of go off of that and just be like okay this guy is just a special person he has extraordinary abilities with kate bishop though like they did get into her background a bit where she was really driven at an early age and she became a fencer and an archer and she trained like her whole life uh so there is some believability about her uh her skills but you know like i mean some of the stuff she was doing just seemed pretty pretty outlandish like too much maybe right um yeah
1: i mean it's an mcu show come
0: on it's, <laughs> well okay, everything's so, outlandish yeah yeah <laughs> well look look. I, I mean i think if it were a certain type of mcu show or a movie it, i might feel differently but it was very lighthearted. it was comedic you know if the tone of the show was like i don't know like uh like captain america winter soldier that'd be different right Then it, it, when you bring in this like unrealistic abilities and stuff, then it's like, what the hell, man? That doesn't seem right. But like the vibe of the show was such that you could kind of accept these exaggerations. I think so. That's why ultimately I'm saying like I was okay with almost all of it, Uh, but uh, I, I think it needed to be stated that, you know, Archer heroes. Or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow to see them so proficient at taking out, like, dudes with guns, right?
1: I was looking at, uh, for me, I was looking at, like, the bigger picture, because it's not just them, like, at a range, like, shooting at targets. Like, there's the environment they're in. They can also fight, too, right? Like, there's the hand-to-hand combat aspect of what they were doing and the physicality of how they were moving. So, like, for me, it was the whole picture. That's why it seemed
2: like it made sense cool yeah i got what you're saying um it kind of reminds me of something of like a quote i've heard somewhere where it's like audiences will believe the impossible but not the improbable you know where you'll believe that uh an alien comes down and gets six infinity stones and snaps away the universe you're like yeah i'm on board with that yeah yeah a teenage boy flies around new york with uh shooting spider webs out of his hands sure why not but i i see what you mean where it henry where you mentioned how it it, it feels a little improbable with a bogue versus like a horde of gunmen at towards the end
1: yeah you gotta look at these gunmen too right like yeah what's the name of their company the bro what is it yeah uh, yeah. They're not. They weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah. They, wasn't they called like the tracksuits or something? Tracksuit
1: like mafia. Oh, the tracksuit mafia. What was the name of their <laughs> moving
3: company? It was like
1: Trust a Bro or something like that. Something like that. I forget. <laughs> I mean, anyone that works for a company called Trust a Bro, come on, I they going to hit their target every time with a gun?
0: But yeah, Christian, you bring up a good point. Like a lot of the logic issues, it boils down to. Does what you're seeing fit into the logic of the world you've created right? so this world you know is is it a, a, is a bit of an exaggeration on things. you know this is not a documentary about crime right uh, It is a world where superheroes with bows and arrows uh, can can defeat you know powerful villains uh I think we there's just there's a there's a point where it, it does get a little ridiculous though. And so I think we're kind of seeping into getting into some of the negatives now. So maybe we can start talking about some of the negatives. Now wait, Henry.
3: Wait, yeah, yeah, one go last, ahead. One last positive I want to go give ahead. up with before we move on to the negative stuff, is just the character dynamics. I think that we've talked about like there was just really good like interaction and vibes between like just not like the heroes but also like the secondary characters like there were just a lot of great characters like there was Echo there was um what's his name Jack the the swordsman, yeah.
0: Jack yes
3: Jack um the mother um there was just a lot of great like dialogue and chemistry between like the characters and um I just really had to point that out because I don't think I cared so much about like a cast than I have with like the previous Disney Plus uh, programs.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, actually that brings up another thought before we get into the negatives. And we, have because we haven't talked about Kate Bishop a whole lot. You know, she is uh, definitely a main character in the show. And I remember when we were giving our like initial takes, I recall uh, some of you being a little bit down on Kate Bishop um, about her being kind of annoying. So now that the show is done, maybe we can kind of get our takes there uh, real quick yeah. on my end. I I'm, I you know, I really enjoyed the Kate Bishop character. She's a lot of fun on the show and she has a pretty cool character arc and um, the, uh, the banter between Barton and Bishop, I thought was great. And there's yeah, great chemistry between, Uh, Renner and Seinfeld I think so Uh, but what do you guys think
1: I agree I I think they work really well together it was cool seeing her as like the um, you know, I mean she idolized Hawkeye from I mean that's what inspired her to be what she was and for her to carry that through and then to you know um, start to see more of the layers and dimensions of who she was actually idolizing and that really like came through on the show I thought was really cool
3: yeah, I don't think my initial thoughts with Kate Bishop went away. I did in the beginning think of her as kind of bratty and spoiled. And I think I still had like that mindset with her throughout the series, but I think like once I accepted the fact that like that's her how her character is supposed to be, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit better. Like um, like yeah, the interactions like she had with Yelena and how Kate Bishop just like really determined to get what she wants um, no matter I guess like the consequences like she didn't think things through Um, I was just kind of like okay yeah that's something I expect from the character and so like I said once I think I understood and accepted her personality I was able to enjoy her more
2: yeah I definitely I definitely agree with you there Porfirio like uh, I warmed up to her character over time um i wasn't i thought she was all right in the beginning but yeah uh kind of bratty i was the one kind of getting herself into into a lot of trouble in the first couple episodes but like in the second half i I do think she really does like kind of come into her own
0: right on okay good stuff so yeah i think we can get into some of the negatives now and i was alluding to it earlier But, um, yeah, I felt parts of the show got a little bit, like, unrealistic, I guess I could say. Um, Yeah, that season finale kind of went overboard. Uh, It just seemed kind of cartoonish and a little bit out of place in a world where it's non-superpowered people. And, you know, uh, it was just a little ridiculous now we haven't talked about kingpin a whole lot but there's a scene where kate bishop and kingpin fight and it's pretty wild because the kingpin in that scene i think he he gets shot with an arrow and then he takes an explosion and then he gets like hit by a car or something, Okay, again we're talking about non-superpowered individuals. Kingpin is in this camp, you know, he's big and strong, but he does not have superpowers. Like basically he should have died in this episode, but he didn't. Uh, so, so yeah. what's that, Renier? Remember
1: how remember how they or did he? Remember how they cut away and you he heard a gunshot?
0: Oh right, it was not entirely clear, right? So um <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, yeah. but, but uh, like what I'm Blake driving at, said. yeah, it's just, it got really ridiculous. Uh, so there there's that we've kind of talked about that, how, you know, like the show was the tone of the show kind of made stuff like that a little more acceptable, but a little bit more on the Kingpin character. I thought in addition to that ridiculous action scene, I thought the Kingpin character was misused here like, that, I thought he was kind of poorly written and was kind of wedged in there. Like, just sort of, we talk about fan service a lot. I felt like the presence of Kingpin, played by Vincent D'Onofrio again, uh, was simply like a fan service move. They were just getting him, getting him in there just so he could be in there. And when we initially found out that he's going to be in the show, it was exciting, but I I don't think he was used well at all. Now, uh, sometimes when there's like a fan service moment, it's like a cameo and cameos are kind of safe because they don't really interrupt the narrative of the story. Um, but at the same time, it's just a glimpse, right? And then there are moments when actors actually get screen time and they have dialogue and stuff. And that kind of, Instance kind of makes me think of Spider-Man No Way Home, where actors like Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina and Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield actually got pretty cool roles. You know, I was expecting them to get cameos, but they actually had like pretty fleshed out characters in the movie. Right. So with the Kingpin character here, I felt it was like kind of that. That gray area in between where it's more than a cameo, but it wasn't enough to have like any sort of character arc, and it was just sort of it didn't feel right, it it didn't work in the story. Uh, any thoughts about the kingpin here?
2: Oh man, you read my mind. I was about (laughs) to say like everything you just said about right on, (laughs) okay, like, um, because he's such a fan favorite character, too, he's so beloved. We love them, and it's when we see Vincent D'Onofrio, and Kingpin. Uh, we don't think they're going to do everything that it did with Netflix, but you 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 kind of expect somewhat of the same character, you know. You expect like this hardened badass, you know, who like really took over the city in Daredevil and like crushed a man with his car door, you know. Like this is this is a badass motherfucker right here. One of everyone's favorite villains, and like he's—you're right—he's in there for the worst amount of time. He's not there enough to drive the plot, and he's more than just a cameo. Whereas, like, if it did either of that, it would have been much better. Kind of if it was just similar to Daredevil's cameo and Spider-Man. Yeah. Or, you know, like Willem Dafoe's character—a character that really drives the plot forward, but he's just there for fan service. And what they do with him. Is not fan service because all he does is get his ass kicked. Every scene that he's in, in, in the final episode, is him getting his ass kicked. Like, what happens? Vera Farminga shows up, says, I'm not going to work with you anymore. I'm like, you've crossed the line and I'm leaving. And he's like, you can't do that. And she's like, I'm going to do that. And then she does that. And she walks away and he, and he talks to Kazi. And it's like, my empire is falling apart. Everyone's betraying me. This, like, everything is going south. So he talks about how his ass is getting kicked. Then he shows up and then he gets hit by a car. And then after he gets hit by a car, he gets into this fight with Kate Bishop where Kate Bishop like hits him with this like grenade arrow and he takes a big fat explosion. Doesn't get anywhere near her. And you know, big mob boss doesn't have a gun on him <laughs> and then <laughs> he gets shot. A <laughs> That's what they do with the Kingpin. Like, Oh man, like yeah. I'm like, get myself worked up here talking about it. But like, <laughs> like here's my hot take. Here's my hot, t- oh, not really a hot take because you just said it, but like Hawkeye takes a big, fat, steaming shit all over Kingpin, this fan favorite character. And that totally like, I don't know. I think that like, I was like, what are the moments where I was like, man, I I don't like the series. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> Oh, I feel, Why? I
1: feel, uh, I feel quite the opposite of all of that.
2: All right, <laughs> let's all hear right. it. Let's oh, hear, it. hear this.
0: Good rent, Christian, though. Christian, <laughs> Thank
1: <good> you. <laughs>
2: all
0: right, go ahead,
1: Renier. Uh, you know, I do like. So I mean, like the Kingpin to me, he was like the villain behind the scenes the entire time because, like, he was the one that was in cahoots with Kate Bishop's mom, right? And the way he's introduced is he's introduced as the uncle. And I think the first time you actually hear his voice, it's just a little hint of a laugh, and then it, you ask yourself, "Oh, is is that who I think it is?" And then it starts to sort of slowly reveal itself until it's caught on that security cam footage that Elena is able to provide, and then and then he fully shows up in the last episode, right? I mean, yeah. I think it I think it made sense in the context of that that he was like, I mean, it's 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 his city, right? It's and 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 what kate bishop's mom was doing was an investment of his and that's how he played into it um it made sense to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough
3: like i think um yeah like having kingpin back in i was really really excited for i think also this was that episode aired right before no way home so seeing like kingpin and daredevil come back into the MCU was really exciting but I will say yeah like his character back in the show was kind of a letdown um, it wasn't like the biggest fall for me for the Hawkeye show but I wish there were just a lot of like what the fuck moments like how the hell was Kate Bishop able to handle her own against Kingpin like Daredevil barely had his um was able to do that and he has like powers and stuff and there were just so many moments where I was just like no, Kingpin would have like crushed her easily. Like done this, done this, done this, and Kate Bishop's doing this and this. I'm just like, oh. like if Kate Bishop couldn't even take down Yelena, like how did she take down Kingpin? So there were just some moments. Yeah, and during that final fight scene, where I was scratching my head, but I was like, well, this is not the worst it could have been. But at least Kingpin's back. I guess I was having my little victory.
0: All right, okay, interesting. I think we're you know we're we have differing opinions here, but yeah, I, I think I think it's safe to say there are some problems with the Kingpin character. Um, it does bring up an interesting question. Prefiria, you mentioned Kingpin could hold his own against Daredevil. How is Kate Bishop beating his ass? Now, can we consider the Marvel Netflix show? canon to the mcu now that the vincent d'onofrio kingpin has appeared on hawkeye and that uh now that the charlie cox daredevil has appeared in no way home is 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 that all part of this universe now all that stuff defenders punisher all that
2: well, I yes mean, and hasn't, no. yeah. yeah yes and no i mean from my
3: take hasn't like the Netflix show always acknowledged the MCU films. It's just never been the other way around.
0: Yeah, that's it right there. They, they have, they, the the Netflix shows have acknowledged the MCU, but the it hasn't been the reverse until now, question mark. Like now that Daredevil and Kingpin have showed up, now we know it's officially all connected. Yeah. Is that safe to say that? Rainier, you said yes and no. What did you mean by that?
1: I don't know. I mean, I feel like the MCU has the luxury to pick and choose what they, they can cherry pick what they want to keep and what they don't want to keep. We've seen that done many times where they can just, you know, erase a mistake by making something else super awesome by leveling it up. But I do want to go back to that question about like, how is it that Kate Bishop was able to one up on Kingpin where Daredevil had a really hard time doing so. Sometimes the underdog gets lucky. I mean, that can happen, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, it can. That's a good point. And she did have a lot of uh, trick arrows up her sleeve, right? So she had. She was equipped. And also,
1: I mean, like, maybe Kingpin was just under- est- like way underestimating Kate Bishop.
0: <laughs> he had a bad night maybe (laughs) had a little too much of the sauce the night before maybe it's possible uh let's see real quick um there is a character in this show that kind of baffled me so someone brought his name up but Kazi I feel like he kind of got written off the show or something because his character went nowhere like Uh, I think the Kingpin character was notably poorly written, but this character was really poorly written too. It seemed like they were setting him up for something and just it just led to nothing. And I remember they announced this actor, his name is Fra uh, Fra Fee, and um, they announced it, he's going to be on the show and he's going to play this guy named Kazi. And it just seemed like they were going to use him for something pretty big. But it just fizzled out. I wonder if a lot of his scenes got left on the cutting room floor or they just cut him out of the script or something. But yeah, it it just, I don't know what happened there. It it just seemed really weird. Okay. So, oh, let me bring this up too. So we talked a little bit about how uh, the kingpin was brought in to eliminate Clint Barton, right? So essentially, it was Eleanor Bishop, Kate Bishop's mom, who wanted Clint out of the picture for her daughter's sake, right? So she talked to the kingpin. Um, that part I, I, I get, yeah. You know, if you want someone gotten rid of, seems like the, if you know the kingpin, he seems to be a good person to go to, right? But here's where it gets hazy uh he he didn't directly just you know do the job himself and he didn't directly just hire like a hitman or something like it seems like he went to Val as we saw at the end of the Black Widow movie and then Val hired Yelena so we're talking about like Eleanor going to the Kingpin Kingpin going to Val then Val going to Yelena (laughs) it seems like there are way too many cooks in the kitchen here. Like, doesn't that seem kind of ridiculous? Like, I, that whole like plot line seems like really muddled, right? Doesn't it isn't it doesn't that seem uh, kind of weird to you guys?
2: Yeah, like it makes you wonder like why did Kingpin have to go to Val in the first place when like it, it like I don't know why they had to add that little connection in or yeah. Kingpin talking to Yelena excuse me, whatever, but because Yelena, we already know, has this, like, vendetta against Clint Barton, because at the end of, you know, Black Widow, Val tells her, like, oh, yeah, Clint Barton killed your sister. And you think it's like, man, that, that should be enough right there on its own, and you don't really need to loop in the kingpin there.
1: Maybe they're trying yeah. to cover the tracks.
2: <laughs> it could be, yeah. Like, we don't know enough about Val right now, because mm-hmm. everything has to be connected that's why <laughs> that, that's the explanation <laughs> true in the mcu everything is connected
0: everything. i think it's kind of a mistake because i think in the end of black widow they were setting up this direct hire thing like someone hired val to get a hitman to take out barton but in the hawkeye writer's room they were like wait a minute we have to get Kingpin in here and they just had to like scramble and come up with this really convoluted plot line. And it, it, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
3: You know, Henry, you bring up another plot point that for me didn't make sense. Like, and I feel like this is going to crush your moment, Krishna, If I, you like that whole closure between Yelena and and Hawkeye. But, All right. but I, I feel like a big plot point was, why didn't Jelena yet yeah, just like confront Hawkeye from the very beginning? Just instead of taking like someone's word, like Val's like her word that he was responsible for Black Widow's death. Like he could have just like ask, like he, um her, ask him like what happened or he could have like told her what reached out to her and told her what happened. Like it just seems like there was like this like comfort converse- conversation conversation that should have happened earlier but never did it was more like fight 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 why are we fighting oh because you killed my sister no i didn't what you didn't oh what happened (laughs) you know like that that's how i kind of saw it but you know
1: there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of movies where if they just sat down and talked (laughs) the the movie wouldn't exist
3: (laughs) yeah but i think it
1: had I, i think a lot of it had to do with just her emotion of it all like she was mm-hmm. reacting. That's all she was doing, and True. um, and she reacted in the only way she knew how.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty Fights... a good point, though. <laughs> oh yeah, go yeah, go ahead, Kristen. So that makes me wonder, Perfurio. Like, you know, like Natasha Romanoff is a very prominent member of the Avengers. These celebrities, and you have to wonder, like, after stopping Thanos. Like, wouldn't the Avengers say, like, as a whole, say, like, oh, yeah, Natasha Romanoff sacrificed herself to stop Thanos. Like,
1: how do you how do you announce that, though? Like, in a press release? Like, I don't think
2: they did that. <laughs> I guess not. But you, you the, like, it seems like people are so connected to the events of the Avengers uh, uh, and like kind of what what's going on with them. Do you you'd think it'd almost be like common, like. They would have to or somebody would, you know. And like the impression
1: I got too was that like no one knew what happened on um what's the name of that planet? Uh uh
3: v- Vorm- Vormir. Vormir, yeah.
1: Like no no one knew. Like, I mean, as like just a regular New Yorker, would you even believe that existed? Like, how would you know? it could be fake news for all they know you know
2: <laughs> like it may not be vormir itself but you i guess like the average person might think oh she died in the battle you know and that might be enough or maybe a lot of
1: people too are like oh i know, I know. actually i was gonna say who who's natasha but her name is memorialized in new york
0: yeah <laughs> yeah she's she's a known person um but yeah, yeah, a lot of good questions are being brought up. But Perferio, to address your issue, I think it boils down to fights are a lot more interesting than conversations, <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's why it went down that way.
3: That's why. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we bring up in, like, in the last podcast, like, about, like, um, Hawkeye, like, like you know, Yelena Elena was never mentioned in, the previous MCU films so it just seems kind of awkward that like I don't know where Hawkeye's like yeah she talked about you all the time and she really loved you and everything where we're just like really we've never heard it like
0: exactly
1: (laughs) they spend a lot of time in in Budapest together right like they've got to talk about something
0: right so yeah that part I get you know when when Barton says to Yelena oh, she used to talk about you all the time. I believe that, you know, in in Budapest, I'm sure they talked about little sister and all that. But the fact that we have never heard about this person seems a bit odd, you know. um, Clint Barton's been in a whole lot of Marvel Studios movies and uh, we've seen him talk to Natasha Romanoff a lot and there's been no mention at all of any kind of family right oh yeah there's that one scene uh, in endgame where uh the avengers are talking after natasha has died right
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then the question comes up of did she have any family and cap says yeah us no mention of yelena right you would think at that point Clint barton would be like oh actually uh he got this little sister who she really loves. You know, we should talk to her. We should let her know, right? Didn't come up at all. What the and hell? She
3: has and she has two parents. Yeah. Are not her parents.
0: Yeah, not real parents, but you know, parents uh, in a way.
3: Maybe the, the context of
1: the of the sister talk was when they were kids. Uh, maybe he didn't know she was alive.
2: Ah, that's a good point. Oh, that
0: Natasha never. Told I mean, Clint like that she was still alive. Like, in what
2: person. in what context did
1: he talk about? Did she talk about her sister? Right? Like, it could have been oh, in the past, and it's just like maybe the question was never brought up. Oh, is your sister still around? And maybe he just assumed that her, his sister was gone. Mm.
3: Oh,
0: I like that. You know,
3: you know well, that that could have been cool clarification <laughs> <laughs> in, in the show. Like, like him be surprised. Like, Eileen is alive. What?
0: Oh, that's right. That's a good point on your end that, you know, when Jeremy Renner finds out about Yelena on the show, if he thought she was dead, then he would have acted surprised, right? But he was yeah. surprised. It's like he knew she was around. I don't know. There, there's a lot of little plot holes going on
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Bart knew. Didn't they have like a sour relationship at one point, though, Natasha and Yelena? And maybe out of respect, he didn't want to like pull her into it. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess all of this is possible off-screen.
3: <laughs> Maybe but, I don't know. You know.
0: It does bring up a lot of questions, like we've been talking about for sure. <laughs> but you know, trick arrows, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, trick arrows. Woo-hoo! <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think this this, this is actually kind of driving home the point we've been talking about um the more you dig into it the less sense the show makes logically um but you know if you just take it as kind of a fun holiday feel good sort of thing then uh then i think uh you'll have fun with it like a lot of us did okay any other kind of random thoughts Uh, maybe we can start talking about like what's next They haven't announced the season two, but this is the MCU we're talking about here. So some perhaps many of these characters that we've seen on the show will resurface subsequently. What do you think is next for these characters? Any thoughts?
3: Well, I I don't know what they're gonna do with Hawkeye, but Kate Bishop, it's Based off like the Disney Plus shows, it's just really obvious that they're they're totally leading up to a young Avengers team up eventually.
2: It sure seems like it. Yeah. Yep. Like, I really want to see more of Yelena and uh, Kate Bishop. Like, I felt like the macaroni scene was like them testing the waters of it. Like I think a show of like just those two would work really well if they did a Hawkeye season two, or you know a Black Widow movie with Yelena. Mm Mhm.
0: Yeah, I think a Black Widow two, starring Yelena, Florence Pugh, uh, would be awesome. I'd be totally down. Now maybe a more complicated question is: Would you want to see? A Hawkeye season two or would you rather see the characters in this show just sort of like disperse and end up elsewhere
3: well I, I don't think I'd be down for a season two but I know they're making a spin-off they're making a they're giving Echo her own tv Disney plus show
0: oh that's right I forgot about that yeah so that's kind of in line with with what i'm talking about like the characters sort of dispersing and popping up and other stuff yeah and maybe this sort of brings up a bigger question about where do these disney plus shows go like there are so many of them we have a whole bunch more coming out this year next year there's there's no end in sight so they can't do a season two for all of them right Uh, we know they're doing it for loki but that's the only one that's been officially announced so it seems like a lot of these shows will not continue on with season twos Uh, some of them may continue with movies it seems like falcon and winter soldier will like lead into a fourth captain america movie um yeah i don't know like what do you think where do you think these shows are going like what's like it seems like the movies there's like a pretty logical follow-up with sequels or like team-up movies but with these shows it's a little less clear any thoughts there
2: Hmm. i'm wondering if like secret invasion or armor wars um like one of the shows that don't have like a specific like hero title like hawkeye falcon winter soldier loki i wonder if those are essentially going to be like event or like big crossover shows and they're going to try to do that the same way they've kind of structured the like you have the singular te- movies and then you have the big team up movie and like they're going to they're going to lead into some sort of like street level type event similar to what they did with like the defenders where you have like they they seem to be building up something with the character Val um and how she's picking up people like USA agent Yelena Belova mm. you know she might go out and reach uh, um Kate Bishop you know and she might have some like her Dark Avengers or her some sort of team that she's building to take on maybe like a street level foe or maybe they'll do something that could be more Kingpin and they'll they'll follow up what they're gonna do with Kingpin because of course he's not dead.
0: Right. Yeah. Good take. Yeah, I I, get, I could see that happening definitely.
2: And
3: they're make they're making the Thunderbolts.
2: Ooh yeah, that could be where they're going with all of that. Oh,
0: is that a official thing for you? No,
2: no, just my oh. guess. <laughs> oh. But they could be. They it could,
0: could be. be. Well, yeah, be heard possible first. Now. The, the rumors wow. I've heard about Val's team has mostly been either Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts. So it's very possible that Thunderbolts could be it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Okay, uh, go ahead. So
1: in, in all of that, no one here is clamoring for a feature-length version of Roger the Musical,
2: <laughs> Hamilton I style, am.
1: on Disney Plus. Because <laughs> I, I sure
2: love that; that was amazing. <laughs> oh, I want you,
3: like it.
0: <laughs> Ooh, a little split decision here. <laughs> now there is a uh, a post-credit scene of like a bunch of this musical right at the end of Hawkeye, episode six, right. There um, sure it is, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you, you I, I didn't care for it. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not big on musicals in the first place. But I was also expecting to to get, you know, a, a classic MCU post credit scene. Maybe see a new character. Uh, maybe get a little tease about where Kate Bishop or Yelena is going to be in the future. But instead. We get uh, a musical number. I actually
2: uh, thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I enjoyed it.
0: All right. Oh, it's this this uh, episode we got here has been pretty devices on a number of levels. I like <laughs> it. I like it.
3: <laughs> um, do you guys know on the timeline, did this happen before No Way Home or after?
0: Good question.
3: Because I know in the beginning of No Way Home, the musical was hinted that it was coming up on Broadway. But then yes. like the biggest the biggest thing that stood out for me was like the the um the Christmas tree was still up because that hadn't been knocked down by Hawkeye and Kate Bishop yet.
0: Bingo, that's it right uh-huh. there. So yeah, you see a sign for Rogers the Musical at the beginning of No Way Home, right? And you see that Christmas tree at the end of No Way Home, and no, it had not been knocked down. So by that logic, Hawkeye ended after No Way Home ended, right?
3: So that means, I think so. So Does does that mean Hawkeye doesn't know Spider-Man? or his identity.
0: Oh, I guess not. Or maybe at the beginning of the season he did and at the end he didn't. <laughs> it's possible,
2: right? <laughs> what what are like college admissions usually? It's been a while since I've I've had to do this. But like Ooh. when you're like applying for colleges, is that a is that like a fall thing? Like is that something you do in like around like September October of like your senior year?
3: Yeah, that's something you do. Yeah, I think November is the deadline. And then yeah. Like, and then early of the year is when you get like your responses.
0: And that fits into the timeline of No Way Home, where MJ and Ned found out they got in. And then afterward, Peter gets his apartment, sews up a new suit, and then we see him swinging around. And it's like winter in New York City. Right. So that sounds about right to me.
1: Would it have been more probable for Spider Man to show up at the ice skating rink instead of having a big arrow battle? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, I don't think there was anything more ludicrous than that, that bow and arrow battle at the ice skating rink, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spider Man show, showing up would have been par for the course I think. <laughs> and silliness <laughs> okay you know hey real quick um this is a kind of a random thought something you brought up Rainier uh you mentioned how all this Marvel studio stuff kind of has like a similar feel to it there's like a formula to it um yeah maybe we can talk about that a little bit you know a lot of people who champion Marvel and the MCU would maybe disagree and they, they would say, oh, each movie, sorry, each movie is a different genre and the shows have a different feel. But um, yeah, do you guys think there is a Marvel formula and do you think they're kind of just packaging the same thing in a different way each time. It's really at its core, the same thing we're getting over and over and over again. And maybe it's getting a little old and tired. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, like
1: the format, I mean, okay, there's there's a lot of like, I feel like there's a lot of recurring themes that happen in all the Marvel movies. And like, just the first thing right off the bat is like, obviously at the end of the movie, you're expecting an end credit scene, right? And then it, get, it got to a point where, like, oh, there's a post credit scene and an end credit scene. So now that's, like, the expectation, right? And then, like, also cameos of other Avengers showing up in a series or a film. Like, you know, that's almost become an expectation as well. Like, there's little things like that, I think. And that, that speaks to, like, some of that formula, <laughs> I feel like.
2: Yeah. Like um I think there definitely is like a formula going on. Um especially I guess this might be more of with the movies. I think it's easier to kind of pick out than some of the Disney Plus shows cuz you know, they're longer and then it's like a bit of a different format. Um there there is like a sense of like um a general like I I'm going to say the word sameness in like tone color palette feel um sounds like a bad word but like i don't mean that as a bad word because that's kind of what makes everything feel like consistency right here yeah consistency is more the is more the word i'm looking for here so uh it and that's kind of what makes it feel like you're in a connected universe is and that's kind of what contributes to this singular vision but there are there are some like kind of story tropes and like that you you do see a lot, and I think a Marvel movie, and I think you do see a lot in Hawkeye as well. Um, and like I think like what's always the same complaint about every Marvel movie you always hear, it's the villain is was like kind of wasn't all that well thought out. But you have a but on the flip side, you spend a lot of time with. A really great main character that you like latch onto. you always latch on to Hawkeye you latch on to Iron Man you latch on to Captain America whereas the tracksuit mafia in Hawkeye the uh, Iron Monger in Iron Man and the Red Skull in Captain America all felt like they they fell a little short uh, of what you know of uh, especially from the comics from some of these characters and like it definitely like you have action that is fun and full of big set pieces, but, uh, generally falls into a very like light PG 13 tone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's, it, it's definitely meant to be a little more family oriented. Um, and like, I think, I, I guess for personally for the, me this year, I think you're, you're hinted, you, you talked about a bit of a Marvel fatigue. Um, I think I, I do feel that. Like, I love Marvel. I love everything that we've been getting this year. And it's been a lot of fun. And that consistency is there. But I I do notice that they're, like... I feel like there's a bit of some crack showing. Um, like, with the way we talked about Shang-Chi in, like, its final act. How it felt like it had to have this big action set piece that was full of CGI. When we already had these amazing action sequences full of... Tight hand-to-hand combat in the first couple acts that we just didn't really get of in the next season or in the next uh, segment. He fights a big dragon instead, and um, we mentioned like being a little checked out because it was it was too CGI heavy. And while Hawkeye doesn't have that specifically of like too much CGI, it does have that like like it feels like each one does have this like problem with the endings like marvel i've been seeing a lot of problems with the endings with marvel stuff lately um minus spider-man though because that was fucking awesome ending
0: true
2: true what are the problems with
1: endings like can you cite anything specific i'm kind of curious what your thought is on that
2: okay so um like let's see do you, do you mean like hawkeye specifically or just in general oh
1: just in general
2: Okay, so I think like it, it, it's weird how, like, it's kind of hard for me to pick out, like, I guess something too specific, but it feels like the end, a lot of endings, they have to throw in a big battle to mark, to like kind of kick off. They want a big climactic set piece to really, to end the story on a big bang, you know? They, you really want, and you really want to tr- use, make it as big as possible to up the stakes. Um, and whereas um, I think what what makes uh, some of the best Marvel endings are actually some of the more small ones that kind of condense things a little bit, because um, whereas like it, it feels it, I felt like the the big f- final battle was a little too cheesy and it kind of loses a bit of its focus because you have. The big goofy arrow battle against a bunch of guns, um, whereas takes Spider-Man No Way Home. Although you did have the big battle versus all the villains, the big final battle and the thing you want to see is what happens when Tom Holland's Peter fights the Green Goblin on the shield. And you have this one-on-one battle and you remember the other Peter Parker catching the glider, saving Tom Holland from from a much darker moment. Or um, like in Loki, how you just have the singular room and you have this very long conversation with Kang the Conqueror. And then you have Loki, the two Lokis fighting. But um, with Shang-Chi, I have no real uh, like connection to this big dragon that pops out at the end of the movie. You have the big connection with Shang-Chi and his father in the battle, but the father dies before the biggest action set piece comes, which is the big dragon. And you already know the hero is going to come out well. Um, It's going to come out alive. But um, you want a big finale that changes the hero or almost changes the hero. Uh, Similar to what happened in Spider-Man and Loki. You want something big and climactic. Um, And I think with, like, like I said, it kind of also connects to a weak villain, because if you have a weak villain and you shove a bunch of CG and stuff in there to kind of cover it up, it just makes it feel bloated in a way. Um, do, do, you, does that like I guess like answer the question? Do you see where I'm going with it? Yeah, I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean that does recur in a lot of the MCU movies.
2: Yeah. Like, what do you guys think about that? Is that ju- it? Is that just my rambling or? Do you guys see what I'm getting at here?
0: No, that, that's a really good summation. And I would add to it, there's actually kind of a, like a like a phrase for it. It's the Marvel's trope of giant things falling out of the sky. <laughs> like so many of the movies end that way. And the shows are kind of following suit in kind of a different way, but they all kind of end in that similar way. And I've found throughout Marvel Studios movies that very often the better action scenes are earlier, you know, like in Shang-Chi, the, the Muni bus fight is so much better than the dragon battle at the end or like in Winter Soldier, the, the urban warfare battle in the middle of the movie is a hell of a lot better than the helicarrier scene at the end of the movie. Or like, I don't know, uh, like Black Panther, that, that scene in Korea, when they're fighting at the casino is like so awesome but the final like t'challa versus killmonger at the end was kind of like eh, it's okay um it just time and again we're seeing like better action scenes earlier in the movie because they feel this need to have this giant cgi spectacle at the end and um yeah i think there is something to that marvel formula where maybe the producers are like, well, this is working. People love it. So let's just keep giving it to the audience, right? So um, maybe something needs to change there.
1: You make a good point, Christian, about how like some of the cracks are kind of starting to show itself. Like I, I do feel like I see that. and I think you guys are driving that point home that like <laughs> there is a lot of repackaging that seems to be happening. And we're seeing that because we're seeing like a span of a ton of films over, over a long period of time. Um, I don't know. I find it, I find it more interesting when they, when they challenge that formula and and they break the mold. That's, that's the stuff that speaks, speaks out to me more. I feel like.
0: Yeah. You wonder if they are truly going to try to challenge that mold because it has worked so well, right. Um, maybe they'll just take the stance of, we'll let other people do it, (laughs) you know. um, Maybe more reason for superhero movie fans to go check out stuff like The Suicide Squad and, you know, R-rated superhero movies and just completely different types of content, right? Because um, there are things that Marvel Studios just cannot do. It's a Disney property and they need to maintain this connected universe, like we've been saying. And there has to be, this this flow it has to be kind of similar i I think it's built in you know um in a way it it just they have to do it they they, there's there's no other choice okay so uh prefer you any thoughts you've been a little quiet on this particular subject any any thoughts on the normal formula
3: no, (laughs) no i'm just yeah pretty much agreeing with all you guys like you know like every um marvel project is pretty much like the same thing just like repackaged and in different forms like you know i want to say like you know like one division like wasn't didn't follow the same formula of like the whole like battle action scenes but even that one like the finale was the whole like epic confrontation between agatha and scarlet witch so still falls on the same formula but um yeah like i think i don't know like the only other company i could think of that like makes a kind of difference like dc with like you know like um the joker movie or like even i feel like kind of like the snyder cut like when there's like different ways to um tell a superhero story just makes it more refreshing but marvel just kind of yeah like repackages the stuff in the same way
0: yeah and just to close out this topic on more of a positive note i think the way marvel has repackaged this is expertly done um it could be worse right like look at star wars movies like star wars movies at their most frequent came out every other year every other year the mcu cranks out like three movies a year and um you know with the star wars movies people were feeling star wars fatigue that was a thing right and this is every other year with marvel movies we're talking three movies a year and and people are barely getting sick of it sick of it right it wasn't until maybe 2021 where we got like tons of content where maybe we're getting a little bit of that fatigue set in uh but i think it could be worse, right? I think Kevin Feige is a really, has done a really good job in kind of doing this repackaging thing. Um, yes, it kind of is the same thing over and over, but um, you know, I think they've done a good job keeping it fresh when they can.
1: You know, that's an interesting point that you make about Star Wars.
0: I, I think the reason why Star
1: Wars fatigue sets in more is because you're watching a very linear storyline. Like you can't say, oh man, The second one is completely different. I loved it more than the first one. It's like you either love it or you hate it. And it's just like the moment you're on the hate train, you're not going to like the entire thing. (laughs) Whereas Marvel, you have different character movies, right? Like you can love one and not and hate the other. I think you have more, there's more flexibility there. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about nine movies, episode one through nine. Essentially, it's all about the Skywalker family, right? So they're kind of stuck, you know, in, in that, that, that narrow tunnel there, right? Uh, so if they can open things up, uh, they should. Because, you know, the MCU has had a bit of a formula, but it's not like all 20-plus movies dealt with, like, the Stark family, right? There's been, it's been a lot more than that. I think
1: that's why The Mandalorian was so refreshing, was because it something new.
0: <laughs> yes. Agreed okay so um why don't we get to our ratings how would you rate hawkeye on a scale of one to five uh how about uh rainier why don't you give us your rating for this show
1: i will give it a five just Ooh. because i really enjoyed it
0: <laughs> excellent um and sort of following up on that i'm gonna go four out of five i enjoyed it a lot um and i think reneer you probably had a similar feel that i had you know it came out during the holiday season it took place in the holiday season you know in the show and it just had that feel to it you know it had that holiday movie vibe to it you know uh, heartwarming and light-hearted lot of comedy um i think if i was 100 percent honest with myself i may go lower than a four if i watched it again you know maybe during the summer or something
1: well it (laughs) is a holiday movie right uh, you can bring it back up next christmas
0: (laughs) oh yeah there you go maybe i'll do that but yeah seeing it during the holidays and you know during covid i mean that's another good point of context right um we're all going through a pretty challenging situation right and uh to see something like this at that time was like exactly what i needed and i felt really good about it you know i can't go full five out of five just because of all the the, uh um the defects that i i noted earlier um but uh yeah oh i really enjoyed this show a lot so four out of five. Um, what about you, Christian? All right, what do you think about Hawkeye?
2: So, I guess, uh, I'm gonna get I'll, I'll give the dissenting opinion. The um, uh, I know I'm definitely like this is not the I'm like most popular opinion of like the fact that I I wasn't a big fan of this one, but I am very glad that a lot of people have like really latched onto this and I'm glad that I'm largely wrong about, about this show Um, because it's good to see this character really get his time in the limelight and to really get his day. Um, And I think you guys are right with the vibes are like on point for like the Christmas feel, the fun and like a lot of that comfort. And I think that that is a lot of what we need right now. Um, even if it wasn't what I was personally looking for at, you know, at this time in my life and like, so great vibes, a lot of fun, but I think on the negatives is that like, I think the story is just kind of a mess. And like, I think it's just a lot of it just didn't, didn't click for me, even if there's a lot of things, individual things or characters that I really liked, um, so it's a two out of five, but I would still definitely recommend this show, especially if you've, you've been watching all of the Disney Marvel shows here and that, you know, up to this point, it's worth your time.
0: Wow, a two. We might have to nickname you the Grinch. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yes. I know, right? The this is what the i hell hell was looking for, fun <laughs> right. and comfort.
2: This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my grim, dark Batman show? <laughs> Why do I got to wait till March? Why can't it come now? Oh, I can't wait for that. I cannot wait for that movie. It's yeah. To- oh, good. Oh, man.
0: All right. Uh, so on to you, Perferio. How would you rate Hawkeye?
3: You know, like, I came into this movie, like, with little to no expectation. And I think because of that mindset, like, it just blew me away. Like, Like, would you guys have been saying good comfort during the holidays? um really fun good vibes with all the characters just the biggest downside was not the best return for the kingpin but other than that i enjoyed it um i would give it a four out of five really one of my favorite shows that stood out to me for 2021
0: awesome yeah i think that uh that uh, is worth mentioning just the the timing of it all like during the holiday season and I think I had mentioned this in a previous episode but the combination of No Way Home and Hawkeye just gave me some serious like good vibes good Marvel vibes to end the year on you know Uh, so yeah it was a year where we got a ton of new Marvel content and uh, I didn't think it was all great so um seeing uh some really great like crowd pleaser type material like no way home and yes hawkeye uh i thought it was a really great way to end a very challenging 2021 and with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from proferio rainier christian and henry